Welcome to the Healing Pain Podcast. Your host, Dr. Joe Tata, leads the conversation around the way pain is treated in the U.S. and around the world with experts from the fields of medicine, physical therapy, nutrition, personal development, exercise, psychology, and more. Each week, you can listen to receive free information about ways to treat and reverse chronic persistent pain. Now, here is Dr. Joe Tata. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Healing Pain Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Joe Tata. Well, here we are. We have landed at episode number 100, a milestone episode in many, many ways. About two years ago now, I decided to start this podcast as a way to raise awareness about natural ways to treat pain. And when I look back now after a hundred episodes, I realize that we have created, and I say we because this would not have been possible without each and every one of you, what we've actually created is the world's greatest public service announcement about how to live a life with the least amount of pain and suffering. My mission for this podcast was first to clarify the confusion about what chronic pain is, so that people don't believe they are damaged beyond repair. Next was to underline with a bright yellow highlighter how to treat pain naturally, because currently we rely on too many procedures and pills that simply don't work and are at times harmful for people. And last was to reach as many as pe- many people as possible with high-quality information, which takes you from feeling hopeless and helpless to feeling educated and empowered and willing to take the action to live your best life beyond pain. I strive for this with each and every episode, and like I said, this podcast would not be possible without you, the subscriber, and of course, all the speakers who have generously donated their time and their heartfelt knowledge throughout the past two years. So I want to take a moment to thank each and every one of you, and to know that I love and cherish you for joining me each and every week. To date, I received no corporate sponsorship or any other type of money. This podcast is entirely produced and funded by me and me alone. So your participation is important to me, and I consider you family. So thank you very much. Now, when it came time to brainstorm about this celebratory 100th episode, I knew that it had to be something fresh, it had to be something new, and it had to be something you've never heard before. And this wasn't easy because I've had some of the best and brightest physical therapists, psychologists, functional medicine physicians, pain scientists. But when I look through the 100 episodes, there was something very, very important that was missing. And what was missing was the patient perspective. The patient perspective as to what it's like to have chronic pain, to live with chronic pain, and to eventually overcome chronic pain. So today, it's with great pleasure that I introduce you to Carol. Carol is someone who's been given the diagnosis of fibromyalgia, amongst other diagnoses. And she's someone that I've worked with both online in my Heal Your Pain, Heal Your Life program, as well as one-on-one offline with regard to overcoming pain and other healthcare challenges. I wanted to share Carol and her story with you because Carol is so clear about what she's been through with regard to pain where she currently is, and where she's going with regard to her health and living beyond the pain. And what I really love is that Carol is articulate, she's detail-oriented, she's heartfelt, and she does a really great job of describing her journey toward living a life beyond pain. Today, Carol will share with you what living with chronic pain is like through the lens of a patient, 
the challenges and struggles she has faced trying to find help and relief from pain, how she got rid of her walker and now walks 30 minutes without the walker and exercises on a weekly basis, which tests she had done and if they were helpful or not, the medications she was prescribed and which medications she is now working to taper off of because she feels they no longer have any value or may even be causing harm, her personal nutrition plan, her personal movement and exercise routine, what the brain and pain means to her, which is an important topic, and her own advice for anyone living with chronic pain who wants to get their life back and return to an active and healthy life. So once you're done listening to this episode, I'd love if you could comment on the blog post at drjotato.com and thank Carol for coming on. Thank her for sharing her knowledge and her story. I know she'd greatly appreciate it and she'd love to hear from you. Okay, let's begin and let's meet Carol. Hi, Carol. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy you're here. Hi, Dr. Joe. Good to see you, as always. Yes, Carol, I know that you've graciously followed along with the podcast over many episodes. Obviously, today is episode number 100. And I felt it was really important to have a client or a patient on to talk about their experience and what they've been through throughout their journey with pain. As you know, I've had on a lot of practitioners, all sorts of different types of licensed healthcare practitioners, but I'm so happy you're here to talk about the patient side of it. Glad to be here. So take me back a little bit. You have fibromyalgia, or at least that's the diagnosis you've been provided. Take me back to when this all began. So right when you started to develop some pain, what was that like and what happened? Well, it was about three, almost 23 years ago, in 1995. I was out taking my daily two-mile walk. And all of a sudden, I started having some really intense pain going down to my lower back and hip and side of my leg. And it kind of reminded me of the sciatica nerve pain that my husband had described to me. And I sat down for a little bit, tried to make it to calm down. It was not calming down. And remember, this is 1995. I had a bag phone in my car that plugged into the cigarette lighter but no cell phone on me. So I sort of hobbled home. And it was strange because I was 48 years old. I hadn't had any injury. I was in pretty good health. But I had just been through a, a very difficult emotional experience. So I got home and I couldn't climb the stairs to go into my split level home. and. So my husband put me in the car and off to the ER we went. And they had to roll me in on a gurney. Took some x-rays, didn't find anything wrong. Gave me some a muscle relaxant and sent me home and told me to rest for a few days. So just out for a typical walk, obviously you were at that point, you were exercising. You were an avid exerciser walking two miles a couple times a week. And this just came really kind of out of nowhere. Yep. And it's interesting that Obviously, you went to the emergency room and you got checked out. They didn't find anything, meaning the x-ray didn't show anything. It wasn't conclusive. And they sent you home to rest. And how long did you, quote unquote, rest for and hope that the pain would go away before you started seeing other types of practitioners for a diagnosis? Well, I had been working with a special chiropractor 
who uses uh, DNFT or direct non-force technique, which has nothing to do with bone crunching, for a few years. So I went to see him um, a- after just a couple of days. And then after that first pain experience, though, I started having pain in other parts of my body, all over my body, just unexplained. It just stood up and my sleep started to suffer really badly. So I went to my primary care physician. And again, back in 1995, a lot of physicians didn't even believe that fibromyalgia was such a thing, much less know much how to treat it. Fortunately, my practitioner did. And she did a trigger point test on me and I test positive, which is, that was the standard at the time, 12 out of 18 points of all four quadrants of my body. And so she, she suggested that I had fibromyalgia and she sent me to a rheumatologist because rheumatologists were the ones that typically treated fibromyalgia pain. And he right away wanted to start me on medications. But I had heard about a diet that was high in fruits and vegetables and lower in uh, meats that might be helpful. And I'd also heard about a warm water pool therapy group for people with fibromyalgia. And so he wrote me a prescription to join that group and both the diet and the warm water therapy pool. And my daily stretching that the doctor had suggested all helped me get back to walking pretty soon, but sleep remained a problem and did so for many, many years. Right. So you struggled with sleep problems for many years and probably decades, actually. Yeah. Which is very common for people with chronic pain and especially those with fibromyalgia. And it's often one of the problems that people have the hardest time finding support around because I think people tend to reach for either prescription medication for sleep problems or over-the-counter medications. And oftentimes those don't work. They don't help support someone. What has been offered to you as far as help for sleep? Take me down that journey. I mean, obviously this entire pain journey is one journey, but then if we kind of break up all the different avenues and streets here, the sleep is very specific to your journey. Take me through the journey of how challenging it has been to get sleep treated. Well, I did try a number of supplements and I got, again, some help with the pain, but nothing with the sleep. So I went back to my doctor and said, well, maybe I do need to have some medications. And she kept me on the Flexeril, which had been started at the hospital, which is a muscle relaxant. And then she put me on Clonopin, which is a anti-seizure medication for the restless leg syndrome that I had. And she also put me on an antidepressant to help me with the sleep. Over the years, the dosages of these medications increased and Ambien was added, but I didn't like the effects of the Ambien. I was waking up in the middle of the night doing strange things and that didn't (laughs) sit well with me. So I stopped that after a while. Finally, in 2010, I had a sleep study done and it demonstrated that all of these medications were kind of knocking me out, but they were not providing restful, restorative sleep. Also, they showed that my restless leg syndrome was not being controlled. 
at all. So I worked with that doctor to come down off of some of the medications that I was on. And we tried a couple of other different alternative treatments, but nothing was helping my sleep problem. And actually my sleep doctor gave up on me. <laughs> so I went to see a neurologist slash sleep specialist, and he started trying a lot of other different medications. And I soon discovered that I was allergic to every single medication that could treat restless leg syndrome or fibromyalgia. I can take a very small dose of Requip uh, for the restless leg, but if I take a full therapeutic dose to cause this pain when I sit down or when I'm walking down the back of my legs. So it really hasn't been helpful because I can't really take a full dose. Yeah. So you were on a number of medications. I mean, you're prescribed a number of medications. The Flexoril, which is a muscle relaxer. The Clonopin. What else? Why don't you help me out with your history? Because I think it's important that people see how you went for help, and it's obviously quite normal that you seeked help, but the only thing you found was a number of medications which haven't worked for you, and actually, it sounds like the side effects have made some things worse. Yeah, I mean, I was taking the antidepressant for sleep, which is an off-label use of an antidepressant. I had no signs of depression, never have, but that's what they were using in those days. Later on, they came up with some of the Parkinson's disease medication, gabapentin, lantern, cinnamon, a lot of other things. And all of them I broke out in a rash with. I forget what the one medication was for that's specifically for fibromyalgia pain. And either I broke out in a rash or I got more depressed. And then I started having crying and feeling hopeless. And... I was even very recently, within the last year, I was prescribed an opioid medication. And as soon as I saw what it was, despite all of the publicity that there's been around the opioid crisis, here I was, having had fibromyalgia for 22 years, and a doctor is prescribing me an opioid yeah. for pain. I never took it. Yeah, and that's a good point. I mean, I think from everything that you've been prescribed, the opioid was the one thing you were not prescribed. But I think eventually, if you keep going back and keep asking a traditional physician for help, you're going to probably come across that eventually. One of the other things that I did was for many years, I took NSAIDs um, at night for pain and to help me to sleep. And it was only about a year ago that I discovered the dangers of taking NSAIDs on a long-term, regular basis. So I stopped taking them. And no doctor had warned me of that. Yeah. I, yeah. It's a good point. I think what you said there in your statement, you mentioned long-term. And the point really should be driven home that we're not saying we're anti-medication or anti-drug, but many of these drug therapies um, serve a place, but they're for a very, very short period of time as we help patients with the more lifestyle-related treatments that can help them overcome pain. Bring me up to speed. So you and I met probably a year and a half ago. When we met, you were actually walking with a walker. So tell us a little bit about that part of your journey. Well, after all of these medications failed, I started to see a different sleep doctor 
who was at a sleep clinic. And she wanted to know if there were any physical reasons that might be causing my sleep problem. So that began a round of seeing a whole slew of doctors, including uh, orthopedic surgeons, rheumatologists, a physiatrist. By that time, I really had become unable to walk for more than about five or 10 minutes without a walker. I had a flare of plantar fasciitis, which had been under control for about 10 years. I finally got acupuncture, helped the plantar fasciitis. I tried um, warm water pool therapy, and this time it didn't help. I had all kinds of tests, MRIs, x-rays, bone density scans, an EMG, a full body CT scan with contrast, and multiple blood tests for autoimmune disease. And at the end of all of that, they came to the conclusion that I had osteoarthritis and degenerative disc disease, typical for a woman my age, nothing that would explain why I was unable to walk without a walker and had to use an electric car to the grocery store. So that's kind of where I was when I retired at the end of 2015. And when I retired, I was determined to get my health back. I had been living with fibromyalgia for all these years and held a responsible job despite the problems that I had had. But I said, I don't want to live with the limitations that I'm living with. Mm -hmm. And since I'd gotten a lot of poor information from all the doctors and all the tests that have been done, I started to search on the internet. And I came across a diet that was similar to the one that you offer in your program. And I started on that diet. I lost 45 pounds, which I kept off. And it's an anti-inflammatory diet. And I also tried warm water pool therapy again. And this time, it did help with the pain. The problem was that the work that I was doing in the pool, and I could do a 45-minute workout in the warm water pool, but it was not translating to my being able to walk on the ground. Right. And so that's about the time that I came across your name on the web and decided I would try your program. And my goal for the first six weeks of that program was to be able to walk for just moderately for 15 minutes without a walker at the end of the six weeks and not have to use the electric cart in the grocery store. And um, because I had already been on the diet for a year, so the anti-inflammatory was already gone, I was able to immediately put to practice the brain and pain aspects of your program. So by the end of the program, six weeks, I was able to walk 25 minutes without a walker, and I was no longer using the electric part of the grocery store. Yeah, which is incredible. And everyone in the group was so happy and proud of you. Because in six weeks, you made a tremendous, tremendous recovery. Like you said, you had a baseline of a healthy anti-inflammatory diet coming in. You had tried some exercise, i.e. the warm water pool therapy, but you were actually cognizant enough to know that it wasn't enough for you and it wasn't having what we call in therapy, it wasn't having a functional carryover. 
I mean, it felt good when you were in the water, like you moved around, you probably strengthened some muscles, but Mm -hmm. it didn't help you on land, which is where most of us want to function. We're not fish after all. (laughs) Right. So people who know my work, it's in my books and my programs, I talk about the brain and pain. How has learning about the brain and pain helped you live beyond your pain? And how did it help you actually start to move on land again and go from walking with a walker only really household distances to now walking outside 20 minutes without anything to help you? Well, the first thing was finding out that with chronic pain, there's a signal being transmitted from the brain to the body, not the other way around. And this was a huge aha moment for me because I had always been afraid. I mean, normally when we have pain, it's an alarm signal to rest, sit down, don't hurt yourself. And by learning that this was a false signal coming from the brain, I was able to know that I could challenge my body little by little and not hurt myself. So that was the first huge aha moment for me. Then I found out that there's a huge connection between our thoughts, our beliefs about pain, our emotions, and the pain itself. And so I know that if I'm in emotional distress, it's going to show up in my body. The other thing was, and I had done some work with mindfulness breathing uh, with John Kabat-Zinn, but I hadn't really integrated it into my life. And I learned that de-stressing our body daily is a huge part of being healthy. And so I started having a more dedicated practice of doing either mindfulness breathing or meditation every day, starting out my day with that and really carrying it through the day so that I could calm things down. Perfect. And I think those three things you talked about there, you talked about one is fear, which is a big problem for people with pain. They're scared that if they move, they're going to hurt themselves more. So kind of this journey into the brain and pain, you realize that you could actually move. And even if you felt a little bit of pain, you know that it doesn't mean that you're harming your body or injuring your body. And that one thing was able to help you continue to exercise and to push yourself a little bit to go from the walker to not having anything, right? Right. And with the program too, I mean, we have these three things that patience, 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 and persistence. And I think the pacing part for me, well, I mean, they're all three important, but the pacing part for me was really important. I always was used to being able to do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. And I did a lot. My former mother-in-law used to call me a burden flight because I was never (laughs) sitting down. And I did learn that I did have to pace myself. So I'm not going to wash all the walls (laughs) in a day. I'm not going to clean the whole house in a day like I used to. But that didn't mean that I could do smaller chunks of work at a time and not have that fiber flare that would keep me up that night. Beautiful. So Carol's talking to it. I talk about it in the program, but I also have a blog post if anyone's interested. Three P's of overcoming your pain. I'll link to the blog post in the show notes so people can read it. But thanks for reminding me of that because it really is a good lesson for people to have and to apply to their recovery. Today, as we sit here, what does life look like for you today? So 20 years ago, you had this twinge, which turned into widespread chronic pain, which no one can figure out a reason for. You've been through 
a gazillion tests, multiple medications, which you're tapering off a couple of those now. What does life look like for you today? Well, I am tapering off the medication. And in the program, you may recall, I reached the moment where I wanted to do that, didn't think I could. And it was quite emotional for me. But I decided that that was something that I wanted to do. I mean, it had been shown that these medications were not helping me. So I've talked with my doctor and I've started to taper off of those medications. As I say, none of them are opioids, but one of them is really very addictive, Japonicum. And in the past, when doctors have tried to get me off of these medications, they try to go too fast. And I'm very grateful for the podcast that you had with Dr. Beth Darnell, uh, who's a psychiatrist who works with getting people off of opioids. And I learned from her that steady and slowly is the way to go. So I'm starting with 10% dose down. Each step down takes about three weeks. Uh, I've gotten off of the flexural, which was the first medication I was on, the muscle relaxant. I'm a third of the way down off of the antidepressant, starting on the next third, and then the clonopin, and possibly the requit after that. But beyond getting off the medication, my diet has remained pretty much the same. I don't have flour in the diet. I don't have sugar in the diet, which a lot of people find very difficult. And I don't eat unhealthy oils. I have unrefined, cold-pressed olive or avocado oil or ghee, are the only oils that I use. For breakfast, I have a cup of berries and a protein drink. And for lunch, I have lots of vegetables, and all different kinds of vegetables, which I wasn't used to eating before. Mm-hmm. And about a four-ounce uh, serving of clean meat, poultry, or fish. I'm eating a lot more fish these days, especially wild-caught salmon, <laughs> sardines even, which I didn't think I was going to like, but I did, and wild-caught shrimp. And my daily treat that I have that is actually kind of good for you is my one ounce of 85% organic dark chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> so that gives, that gives me something to look forward to good every for day. You, I can't just have one ounce of chocolate, but... I used to have. Tell me to, your secret behind that. It was very funny. I used to have to lock it up. I have a locker in the basement of my building, my apartment building, but I can now actually have it in my house, <laughs> <laughs> and I can limit myself to just the one ounce of chocolate. And one of the things that may be more difficult for most people is that it only really takes one meal of eating all of the wrong food to put me back in pain for a day. Mm-hmm. So I don't eat out very often. And I have a couple of restaurants that uh, serve clean. And I'll go there when I'm traveling. I travel with cooler and eat as clean as possible. So that's tough for a lot of people because our society, we eat out a lot. Yeah. So, but it's just not worth it. What does movement and exercise look like for you on a weekly basis? Well, I do stretching every day. I work out with stretch bands or use light weights several times a week. I go out on a 30-minute brisk walk almost every day. 
I prefer to walk outdoors, especially if the sun is shining, which it's not today. So even if it's cold out, I'd rather bundle up and go walking outside. But in the winter time, I will do more indoor walking or working out in the warm water therapy pool. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, as I said before, I've learned that I have to take care of all of myself, both physically, spiritually, and emotionally. So I continue to do those things in a kind of a holistic way because it's like put your own oxygen mask on first. You can't be of service to the world if you're in pain. And um, so I do everything I can to stay as healthy as possible. Now that you're living beyond your pain, and it sounds to me that you're bigger than your pain is, what kind of things have come back into your life that you thought were gone or that you had lost? Well, believe it or not, I used to keep my house immaculately clean, and it's, I can't do that anymore, but I can at least keep it reasonably clean. And it might sound funny, but for years, this was a big thing for me because it felt like a diminished capacity, something that I couldn't do that I wanted to do. So I've been able to get that back into my life. A little later on this month, I'm going to rejoin church choir, which I've always enjoyed. But taking all those pills at night, I had to take them before I would drive home from practice. So I couldn't go to practice, so I couldn't participate in choir. So getting off those pills and the work that I did with you personally, one-on-one, on the sleep issue was really critical to my being able to do that. I'm really looking forward to that. And another thing that I've discovered is after being widowed about 11 years ago, I found a new sweetheart and he loves to travel. And so we've done a lot of traveling together, which I've always wanted to do and I love. And he's actually a paraplegic. So I'm the one that winds up having to do a lot of schlepping of, you know, wheelchairs in and out of the car and Hulu that we take with us when we travel. Um, but I love, I love it. I love that, you know, obviously you figured out that, okay, I have to clean my house, but it doesn't have to be perfect. So you've learned to kind of just open up and to ease into that idea of kind of dropping perfection, which so many of us have. You're discovering old habits that are coming back that you love, like choir practice. And obviously, love has come back into your life. You mentioned that your loved one is, is paraplegic. And when you travel, you take care of him. You help him move around and help with all his things. I'm wondering, as you talk about this, I'm noticing and wondering, how enriching is it for you, not only that you've gotten aspects of your life back, but that you're able to now help someone else with their life? Well, it's really been incredible. I mean... He lost his wife in the accident that put him in a wheelchair. So we're both widowed. And we met online. And we were both first people to respond online. And it just seemed to be meant to be from the very start. And I've made such a difference in his life. He had actually learned to be pretty independent himself, even being a paraplegic. He could drive from Chicago to Tucson by himself, which is an 18-mile trip, 1,800-mile trip, four days. And he could do that by himself. But it's so much enjoyable for him to do with somebody that he cares about. What's great for me is that he's traveled in, I think, 48 of the 40, 50 states. And so he's a great tour guide. 
And so it's great for him to share all of those things with me because I haven't been able to travel that much because I was working all my life. And so it's a tremendous joy to make him feel more whole again. Yeah, it sounds wonderful. Carol, as we start to wrap up, there are going to be practitioners listening to this podcast. There, of course, will be people who have pain who are looking for options and solutions. And how do I start to, well, as you have done, live beyond pain and grow bigger than the pain itself. What do you recommend? What words do you have for those who have pain who are just starting to figure out what to do? Well, I think first, um, I would say that I didn't think that there was very much that you could do for chronic pain. I thought it was just something you downsized your life and you looked with it. And let's see a lot of doctors, we're taking a lot of medications, and there really wasn't much else that you could do. And I kind of resigned myself to that. But now I know that there are many factors that lead to chronic pain. And the good news about that is that means that there are many things that you can do to help decrease that pain and decrease its impact on your life. Yeah. I've also learned, which is something that I had learned when I first was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, that I have to be in charge of my own health. I've gotten a lot of unhelpful information, unfortunately, from doctors and tests over the years. And ancient wisdom tells us that the body knows how to heal itself. Um, so when um, the doctors didn't help, I said, okay, I've got to take charge and I'm going to go online. I'm going to see what's there. I looked for work that was had a really sound research basis to it because there's just as much fly-by-night alternative stuff out there as there are doctors who don't know how to treat chronic pain. Yeah. So I looked for connecting points. I would find one doctor who had good credentials, and that would lead me to another website. And I listened to a lot of these seminars and got to listen to some of these doctors and started looking to them. So do your research, listen to your gut. And that's a whole nother podcast about listening to your gut <laughs> and the microbiome that we won't go into. But you can reclaim your life. You are not a helpless victim. And I think that's the most important thing that I'd like to say to anyone. You're not just a helpless victim. Yeah. Beautifully said. I love that you said that when you initially have pain and you don't know what to do or where to go, it feels like your life is being downsized or it's being kind of shrunken. But you've learned, and you said this kind of multiple or integrated approach, diet and exercise and figuring out what the brain and pain is, how to work on that, how to decrease fear. It feels like life can come back. Life can get bigger again. In some ways, you choose to supersize your life instead of letting it kind of shrink. And for many people, they still have a little bit of pain and that's actually okay because they have figured out that life, there's a lot more life over there that I can pay attention to instead of paying attention to my pain. Yeah. I mean, I still have pain from time to time. I'll be out walking and knee will start to hurt, foot will start to hurt and I'll just slow my pace for a little bit and the pain will go away and I'll get back to walking. So... It's kind of the way that you have to kind of a metaphor for all of your life. That's right. But, That's right. Um, 
you don't stop. You slow down, you pace, and then you get back to it. Yeah. Slow and steady wins the race and always <laughs> keep your feet moving toward the things you love in life and everything will probably work itself out in the end. Carol, I want to thank you so much for being on episode number 100 of the Healing Pain Podcast. I think this is a great way to celebrate the podcast, to have someone like you on who can share the journey of what you've been through, some of the struggles you've had, the successes that you really have taken on and achieved within the last probably two years are really incredible. And I hope this podcast serves as a tremendous inspiration to anyone who has pain and is looking to live beyond it. What everyone can do with this podcast is I'd love if you go down onto this page and I'll link to the show notes. So obviously it's drjotata.com forward slash podcast. And just give Carol a, hey, Carol, that was great. Give her some really warm support because Carol has stepped forward as really a leader and she's the first patient or client who has stepped forward to talk about pain on this podcast. And I think that I can bring on thousands of practitioners who can talk about pain, but there's nothing like hearing about how to overcome pain from someone who has it and has been through the ups and downs. So I want to thank Carol and I want to thank all of you for following the Healing Pain Podcast over the last 100 episodes, which is just over about two years. Make sure to share this podcast out with your friends and family, whether it's on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn. It's really important information. And if you have not yet, make sure you sign up for the mailing list. So go on to drjotata.com forward slash podcast on the right-hand side you'll see a place where you can sign up. That way I can send you the latest podcast to your inbox each and every week. I'm Dr. Joe Tata. I want to again, thank Carol for being here and I wish all of you a great life beyond pain. Thank you for listening to the Healing Pain Podcast. For more information on this episode and access to links discussed, please visit drjotata.com and click on the podcast tab where you will find the blog post for this and all previous episodes and can sign up for Dr. Joe Tata's email list to receive the latest information on chronic pain. Also, make sure to stay connected on his Facebook page at Dr. Joe Tata. 